Welcome to the Living Well with Caitlin podcast hosted by me, Caitlin Soule, where I often record in the car and on the fly because let's be real, life is a bit crazy these days. I am a licensed therapist, a mom to three kiddos, a wife, and a very imperfectly evolving human being. My hope on this podcast is to be able to share tips and tools and insights with you both from my clinical practice and from my life experience to help you learn to live well with whatever struggle life throws your way. Cheers. Hi friends. Happy new year. It's so good to be here with you again. Um, it's been a while and like so many of you, I've taken the past couple weeks to just sort of be to hang out with family, unfortunately not friends because of COVID lockdown. Obviously, um, we're sort of right back where we were in March and that feels really hard, but I also recognize that in this year, as hard as it's been for so many people and as devastating as it's been for so many people, um, there's been a lot of growth too. And so I want to be careful to not frame this as, you know, this is so positive. It's been a great year. There's been so much growth opportunity because the truth and reality is, is that it's been absolutely devastating for people who have lost loved ones, who have not seen family members in so long and friends, and then for people who have lost their livelihoods and their businesses. So 2020 has been really hard and really challenging. And if you're lucky, there has been some opportunity also to understand new things about yourself, your environment, your world, what's important to you and what's not, and to make more space for those things. So for me, the past couple weeks, that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been sort of putting my money where my mouth is and um, clearing my schedule and just hanging out with family, sort of looking at what's important to me Um, in my personal life, in my professional life, and what I can let go of because I really feel this need to make more room and more space for the good stuff. So life is hard enough as it is and I realize probably like you that often I make it harder for myself by either saying yes to too many things or saying no to things that I should say yes to. So in this episode today, I sort of want to do two things. I'm going to go back on a New Year newsletter that I sent out a week or two ago. I had some journal prompts or some things for you guys to think about. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, you can do that on my website at livingwellwithcaitlin.com. I frequently send out what I call well notes, um, which have some mental and emotional health tips and tools, as well as an exercise for you to do at the end of each one or for you to think about. So I really enjoy doing those. I was committing to weekly before the new year, and now I'm not going to commit to weekly. I'm going to commit to, I'm going to do those when I feel like I can and when I feel inspired to do them, or I feel like I have something to share with you. So Going back to what I sent out a week or two ago, it was the title of the well note or the newsletter was New Year, Same You. And that's what the title of this episode is, because I think it's really important that we remember that 2021, sadly, or maybe um, realistically, isn't going to solve all of our problems just by virtue of it being a new year. Just like every other year in the history of time, we walk into the new year as we are, as the person we were before, 
sure, we've learned some new things, we've evolved rather imperfectly, but we're still us. And I think the reason why I wanted to focus on that message so much this year is because what tends to happen in the new year in the space of, well, social media and wellness, you know, is especially for women are these messages of get fitter, get healthier, drop the weight, um, start a new routine in the morning, journal, meditate, do all the things. And some of those things, you know, or individually, not, not all of those things are bad or wrong, but it's dangerous for us as women, or maybe unhelpful is a better word, and not even just as women, as human beings, for men too, to think that in order to be better, we somehow need to change something about ourselves. And so what I really wanted to get across in that newsletter and what I want to get across to you here now is that you are still you and that every day that passes, every moment that passes, really every year that passes, we have the opportunity to evolve, maybe not even become better versions of ourselves, but just evolve and and move forward in the spirit of what works for us and what doesn't. So I actually, at the end of that, had some journal prompts that I wanted you guys to think about. And I also thought about them and wrote down my answers. So I want to share some of my answers here with you today and some of my reflections on the past year and what I hope to carry into the new year. And then I also am going to read something that I wrote recently for my blog because it's my little love letter to um, in-person therapy. And it's a sort of like fun over-dramatization of how much I miss it. So those are the two things I want to share with you here today. And hopefully it inspires something in you or helps you think about things a little bit more um, a little differently as we walk into the new year. So as I'm scrolling right now, I am unable to find those journal prompts. So give me a minute. Um, maybe while I'm doing that, let's think about some of the things or some of the intentions that you have set forward for the new year. Um, and why you have those. So is it, um, that you want to, be more flexible in the new year? Is it that you want to be more present in the new year? Is it that you want to be more spontaneous? COVID makes that hard, right? Or focus more on your health. I want you to actually just consider picking one word and how you can do that and how I've done this this year my word is intentional, right? I want to be more intentional, um, is actually to just sort of jot down all the words that you can think of. Intentional, present, fun, healthy, vibrant, creative. And I want you to think about which one of those words, or maybe even two or three, I don't care, pick a few, mean the most to you for where you're at in your life right now. So that's the first thing I would like you to think about. Um, once you pick that word, post it everywhere, write it on post-it notes, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, write it on your computer so that, you know, or on your home screen. So each time you open your computer, you see it, write it in your notes on your phone. I want you to remind yourself of that word, not just 
while you're doing this exercise, but often as as you move through the world, we tend to get really inspired in the new year. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, maybe even the first couple weeks of January, maybe even through January, but then we tend to lose steam um, because we're oftentimes unrealistic in the goals that we set for ourselves. So maybe forget setting specific goals if you can, right? If you're somebody who has a hard time um, with (laughs) um, open-ended things or um, with a lack of structure, maybe this is the challenge for you. Maybe you pick a word and you just think about how you can live into that word. Again, for me, it's intentional to be more intentional. And I talked about that a little bit earlier in this podcast about how I'm in the sense of how I'm living that right now. I'm being more intentional about how I spend my time. That's really what it's about for me by letting go of things that aren't serving me or just kind of filling my schedule and and not um, making me feel not helping me out in any way or helping my family out in any way. So um, maybe your word is creative. How can you live into that word? Can you, again, I'm not going to get too structured. Like I'm going to wake up every morning at 5 30 AM and I'm going to write, right? That's a good one. But is it realistic? Can you stick to it? Or are you going to feel like a big fat failure when you don't stick to it? Likely it's the latter. So how can you consider being more creative? Could you say that there is maybe an hour or two a week or even just a half hour or two a week that you could cut out. It doesn't have to be at a specific time to dedicate to being creative. Or maybe you're like me and you're really unstructured and you need to find more structure. Here's what this is about. This is about the solution. The same solution cannot be prescribed to everybody because everybody is different. I think that's the problem with New Year's is that so often we try and say like this one size fits all right for health and wellness. But what I'm saying to you here and now is that I'm different than you. Your sister's different than you are. What you need will be very different than what I need or what she needs. So if you're not structured like I am or you tend to be a little less structured, then maybe you do need to look at your schedule and carve out the time to be more creative or, you know, audit your schedule so you can be more intentional with your time. I needed to do that, you guys. I needed to sit down and say, where can I carve out time to look at my weekly schedule, see what's on my plate and see if it's worth it, see what I can let go of or what I can do more of so that I could be successful in my goal to be more intentional. Um, again, so let me break that down a little bit more. If you tend to be more maybe type A or more structured or everything in your life is sort of scheduled to the T, maybe you want to move into being less structured and just focusing more on the purpose, right? Of Maybe it's being more creative or spontaneous or spending more time with your family and getting less specific about what time you're going to do that and focusing more on how you're going to do that, what types of things are going to allow you to move in that direction. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have people more like me who are a little bit less structured or tend to um, make really big lofty goals, but don't um, know, aren't very good at um, doing what needs to be done to get from point A to point B. So I need to be more structured then. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not just rambling, but what I'm trying to say here is there is no one size fits all when it comes to setting ourselves up for what I call imperfect evolution. 
Okay, so going into my wellness note um, that I sent out a couple weeks ago, I didn't find it. So I'm just going to kind of go off the top of my head here. If you have it, you can pull it up um, after this. And if you haven't done it yet, I really encourage you to walk through some of those journal prompts. You can think about them. You don't necessarily have to write them down, but you can. I think that when we take pen to paper, um, it, we access a different part of our brain and we're able to actually think about things a little bit differently than when we just think about them in our head. So, um, I did write these answers down and like I said, I can't find them now, but I believe one of, I'm going to kind of think of two of the most important questions or the ones that stand out to me in my mind from that note. The first one being, what was hard for you in 2020 or what was the hardest for you in 2020? The hardest thing for me personally in 2020 was actually feeling like because I had the ability to help, right? Because I was in a profession that wasn't getting shut down. Um, and because I'm in a profession where more people needed help than ever, that I needed to just kind of jump right in and I needed to do it all and be it all and just, in essence, right? speed past all of my own feelings and emotions and um, uh, sweep those under the rug in service of trying to help other people or trying to take opportunity when opportunity arose. And what that caused in my own life was incredible anxiety. Um, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I started having panic attacks and towards the end of March, April, um, I do believe I had COVID in the beginning of March when we were all on lockdown. Um, my brother was infected. He was traveling home from Europe and he got it. And I saw him a day or two later after he got home and took a sip of his beer, a sip of beer I never wish I took. And I had a really mild case if I did have it. But remember, back then they weren't really testing, so it was never confirmed. So my symptoms at the time of having COVID, maybe two, three weeks, were pretty mild. but I really had some difficult after effects um, and it's hard for me to suss out what was COVID virus related and what was COVID environment related, if that makes sense. Um, I was a runner before I got COVID and suddenly I was finding myself unable to um, run at all, barely walk long distances without getting really fatigued. And then it just caused all kinds of anxiety for me because we didn't know a lot about COVID. And I was saying this to my doctor, you know, I have these chest pains, like it hurts in my heart and my chest wall and my back and my lungs hurt. And they're like, well, everything looks good. Possibly you have some inflammation, right? Well, now what we know about people who, some people who have been affected with COVID is that they have these long-term health effects, including inflammation in the body, which is what I believe I had. And so I felt like I was fe I was feeling all these physical sensations and then I felt like I was being crazy about it because nobody seemed to understand what was going on. So instead of dealing with the sort of disconnect there or the emotions I had around feeling unheard or <laughs> like I was going crazy or being a hypochondriac, I just worked more. And then I had panic attacks at night in bed. So those things didn't serve me very well, did they? Um, so over time, of course, I realized what was going on. I got some of my own help, started my own therapy again, um, saw a doctor, 
all sorts of things to sort of help me get back on tr- back on track of what I needed to do to look at what it was I was feeling and dealing with instead of just adding more to my plate. So the short answer to that question is what challenged me the most in 2020 was my own tendency to push past my own physical sensations and feelings or ignore them or avoid them so that and stay busy really so that I didn't have to feel them or deal with them if that makes sense and anytime that we do that I know this logically as a therapist right anytime that we do this anytime I see my clients doing this um, what happens is we can't sustain it right it's like that water cup right that's filled up to the rim or the brim and you put one more drop in and it just overflows. So that was challenging. I've learned a lot, certainly from that. I don't think if I, I don't know, I don't know how much, how long it would have taken me to recognize that as a tendency in my own life, if we didn't have this shit storm of 2020. Um, and then the other question I asked in that well note, and, and so I want you to think about that for yourself. What was particularly challenging for you personally about 2020? I'm sure there are a lot of things. Um, and, you know, what was challenging for you personally? What was challenging for you um, professionally? What was challenging for your community? All those are really good things to talk about. I won't go into all of those things here for sake of time. Now, I don't want to say what was positive. Instead, I'm going to say, what was maybe, what did you learn in 2021? What was enlightening for you? Um, What was one thing personally that you learned about yourself or your curability um, in 2021? For me, what that was, was my ability to, um, it's sort of the double-edged sword of what I was saying before and the hardest thing for me in 2020 was jumping into action is the other side of that is I am very um resilient I am able to I don't get frozen in my emotions and feelings and and not act I um, I go into problem solving action <laughs> what's next how can we make this different how can we go forward mode really quickly? That's just the way I am. Um, I don't sit on things too long. I tend to do. So like I said, it's a double-edged sword, right? The hard part of that is I oftentimes um, miss the opportunity to sit with my feelings and emotions like so many of us do um, in order to understand what it is I'm feeling and understand what maybe the next best step is, the next best move is, um, or the next right move Instead, I tend to just act and go and do. Um, I feel like I have a really high capacity to take on a lot of things at once. And so that's really been something that I've learned this year is that basically I can handle a lot of shit at once. Um, The double-edged sword of that is, sure, you could handle it, but you will suffer in some way, shape, or form. So I want to be really transparent about that because it's a dynamic I see so often in the work I do with my clients is in our in my clients that tend to be more perfectionistic, have higher anxiety, maybe are more um, if you're looking at the Enneagram, that's our, you know, our type ones or our type threes, um, even our type sevens that tend to or if you're looking at more traditional personality types, the type A personality. Um 
that tend to be really great in times of crisis, in times of we need to do something, right? Taking action, helping others, blah, blah, blah. But then in turn suffer for their own lack of self-awareness or ability to tolerate difficult feelings and emotions. So that's my stuff, right? Let's let's think about yours. How does that affect you? Um, or what does that make you think of is what I want to say. What for you was particularly um, enlightening? What did you learn about yourself in 2020? What are you still learning about yourself? Because yeah, it's 2021, you know, just a few days old here, but uh, not much has changed. Um, so what are you still learning about yourself as we're moving through this really challenging and groundbreaking space and time? Okay, so again, if you want to check out more of those journal prompts or um, get the newsletter so that you can do some of these exercises on your own as I send them out, go ahead and sign up for my newsletter. You can do that on my website, livingwellwithcaitlin.com. You can follow me on Instagram at livingwell underscore with Caitlin. And I will, um, I think there's a link in my bio to sign up for the newsletter. All right, part two here. Let's take a little break. I'm going to do a little a little ad here and then you can fast forward it if you want. And then I'm going to go into my letter, which is called Dear In-Person Therapy. So let me go ahead and read what I wrote for my blog to you. Um, writing is incredibly therapeutic for me. I oftentimes just get an idea and sit down and start writing and lose track of time. And I'm in the process of writing the book, which I'll be able to tell you more about soon. Um, and sometimes I find that I get so immersed in the book that I literally lose track of time. And this can be a really bad thing when <laughs> I tell my husband who's home with all three kids, like, hey, I just need a couple hours to go write. And then like three, four hours have passed and I and I look up and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, where are you? Um, so yeah, that more on that later, because that, again, is its whole own issue, maybe better for a marriage podcast, maybe something Mary and I will tackle on our Hey Babe podcast um, about couples communicating about time, right? I think, anyway, I don't want to go off on that tangent. But yes, when I write, I get lost in time. And I wrote this as a way for me to sort of process what I've been through or what I'm going through or what this year has been like for me as a therapist. Here we go. Dear in-person therapy, I have a confession to make. I miss you. You are seemingly becoming a thing of the past, and that hurts a bit. I am a modern, air quotes, therapist, or at least I thought I was, who misses you so much more than I thought I would. Virtual therapy is quite the hero during this whole global pandemic situation, as it allows people to access help from the comfort of their home, break rooms, cars, and beyond. I am both a provider of virtual therapy and a consumer of it. And while I don't think I would be as okay-ish as I am now without my own virtual therapy, I have to admit I miss the feeling and nuance of sitting across from a human being sitting in the same room as me. I miss fluffing the pillows and refilling the tissues. I miss saying, come on in, 
and thinking to myself how annoying it must be to my client that I say the same thing every damn time and no matter how much I try, I can't seem to think of another line to use to welcome them. A simple hi or welcome might work, but nope, it's a no-go for me. I never thought I'd say this, but I even miss the awkward length of time it takes to get from the waiting room to my office during which I feel pulled to say something insignificant like, it sure is cold today, and then I'm immediately annoyed at myself and thinking that I should have really had this whole silence thing down by now, but that is apparently a no-go for me as well. I miss the settling in the client does when they first sit down on my soft blue couch. There's this moment between arriving and starting the work where we both take a breath, look at each other, and acknowledge that we're in this together and that a powerful journey is about to begin or continue moving along. No matter how hard I try, I can't seem to find that moment virtually. I miss not having to say, hold on, please, while I plug in, or sorry, my internet cut out again, or I think you're muted as my client is revealing a delicate part of their story. Sure, there are fixes to those technical issues, but it's not really about that. Along my own journey, I'm learning that therapy is so much more of an art than it is a venture of problem solving. I miss noticing where people choose to sit in the room, how they tap their foot when they're talking or the way they don't. I miss looking into people's eyes as they smile, laugh, cry, or tell a story for the first time ever without the filter of a screen. I miss having people be fully present in session and even my own full presence. I miss knowing that my clients aren't simultaneously texting or Googling while we're in therapy because I literally see every move their body makes. And you know what? I don't even blame them for being lured in by the false promises of their devices. That's what those beautiful and horrific things were made to do. Fragment our attention. Here's the thing. I get the same alerts, pop-ups, and email notifications that my clients do. I'm going to risk sounding like a real crappy and honest therapist right now, but I'd be lying if I said I hadn't been tempted a time or two to answer an email real quick while listening to my client share about their most recent panic attack, breakup, or behavioral experiment. Yes, that is totally not okay, and that is an urge I have to push back against. But in person therapy, we never had to do that, did we? And now I worry that you might go away forever and under the guise of albeit important things like efficiency, time management, and accessibility, it might become a rare experience to share a physical space with another human who was brave enough to show up for their healing, for their growth, for their life. The craziest part of all is that I thought I was over you. I mean, if it wasn't for my own three-spirited, code for crazy, kids at home, I would have given up my office space. I bought this whole virtual therapy thing, hook, line, and sinker, thinking I'd never look back at what once was, but it's been almost a year now, and I realize there's so much about you that I didn't appreciate enough. When the coast is a bit clearer and we can put this pandemic thing behind us, I promise to not take you for granted. Maybe you can even help us slow down the pace of life a bit to help us learn once again to be right where our feet are. Yours truly, Caitlin Soule, LMFT. There you go. There you have it. My real thoughts and feelings in sort of an over-dramatized way about the transition from in-person to virtual therapy. Now, I have to say, like I said in the letter, virtual therapy is a hero during this time. We need virtual therapy. Otherwise, so many people wouldn't access help right now, and it's the safest way to do it. Um, And so I'm grateful for technology in that way. Just like sort of my own 
strengths and, you know, um, there's a double-edged sword, right? With, with every strength, there is the other side, which is a weakness. And for virtual therapy, there's a lot of strengths. And the other side of that, though, is that I feel like we're missing out on a lot. I'm missing out, like I said, on understanding people's body language. I'm missing out on having my clients full presence there because there's even just by virtue of there being a screen in between us, I think it makes a big difference. Um, and then again, for my younger clients, especially, I think the temptation to get something done for school or check their email or text or Snapchat or whatever it is, is really, really high. And like I admitted, there have been times where something will pop up on my screen when I'm in the middle of a virtual session. And um, whether it's a text from my babysitter or, um, you know, something even less important, to be honest, that I it pulls my attention in that direction for just a moment. And that's not OK. Um, and so it's hard. We're all doing our best right now. And I, I guess, you know, I hope that virtual therapy stays as a option for people. But even more, I hope that we'll return to in-person therapy when things become safe, um, because there is just something so powerful. And I think that I never would have known how powerful it is without having lost it for an entire year, which is sitting in the same room as another human being as they're doing this healing and growth work called therapy. So again, if we're looking at what 2020 has taught us, one thing professionally that 2020 has taught me is the power of sitting in the same space with somebody um, and the connection. You know, I have clients right now that I've only seen virtually throughout this year, and I've never gotten to sit in the same room with them. And we've done some really great work, and I think it's definitely possible. However, it's just not the same. It's the best we can do right now when we have to work with what we have, but it's just not the same. Okay, so that's all I've got for this week. Again, it was really good to spend this time here with you today. Thank you for listening. I'm going to start something new this year for the Living Well with Caitlin podcast. I really want to be able to respond to listeners' questions. So I encourage you and I want you to please send in whatever question you have, or maybe something you're struggling with in your own life or your relationship, send it in. I would love to tackle it on the podcast. If you want to come on the podcast and talk about it with me, if you're feeling extra brave or just want to see what this whole growth thing is or coaching thing is, and you want to do that live on the podcast, that would be so fun too. I'd be really open to that. Or if you just want to write in and let me know what your scenario is or what you're struggling with um, anonymously, I will talk about that on the podcast. So that way, here's why. So that way people can start to understand what therapy and coaching is like. Obviously, it won't be therapy because it's on a podcast, but people can understand what it can be like to just share your story and feel supported, heard, validated, and get some feedback. Here's the other side of it, or the other um, benefit of sharing this on the podcast, asking your questions, sharing your struggle, is that if you're struggling with it, I promise so many others are as well. We are never alone in our struggle. Um, Even the deepest, darkest things are way more common than you think. 
doesn't take the pain away, doesn't make it any easier, but I think it's really important that we know that we're not all alone. So let's start that this year. Will you help me out? Send me in a scenario. I keep saying scenario, but what I really mean is something that you're struggling with in your own life, or maybe you have a family member who's struggling with, and you just want to know how to approach it or how to think about it differently. Um, you can just start it with Dear Caitlin, right? Just like you're, I don't know, like writing Dear Abby or whatever the heck it was back in the day. Um, you can email me those at hello, hello at livingwellwithcaitlin.com. That's hello at livingwellwithcaitlin.com. And I hope to get enough questions to be able to do that episode in two weeks from now. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Living Well with Caitlin podcast. Again, my name is Caitlin. I'm a licensed therapist. And if you want to find out more about the work I do, head to livingwellwithcaitlin.com where you can access free mental health resources, including my Learning to Live Well with Anxiety course. If you are struggling, like so many people are right now, please reach out for help. You can do that by asking your doctor for referrals, or you can go online and do a Google search for therapists in your area and beyond. Psychologytoday.com can be really helpful. And you can also access information about local crisis hotlines if you feel like you or a loved one may be suicidal. I hope you continue to do things in the new year that help you feel happy, healthy, whole, and take good care of yourself. Cheers. Thank you.